Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Day two of the WTA Finals is in the books. Post-game coverage on TC Live presented by SAP. All eight players have one match complete now. Tracy Austin Group played their openers today as the plot begins to thicken. Coming up on tonight's TC Live, world number one, Iga Sviantek started her run in Fort Worth today. She's won nearly everything she's touched this year. Can she punctuate her dream year with one more win? Novak Djokovic begins pursuit of Paris title number seven. He takes a moment to reflect on what has been the most complicated season of his career. And we see which players went all in on Halloween and which ones will have to live with the photos of regrettable costume choices for the rest of time. Not that one in particular, but you get the point as we welcome you to TC Live on this Tuesday night. Brett Haber alongside a couple of Hall of Famers, Lindsay Davenport here in the studio, Andy Roddick joining uh, via Skype. Lindsay, uh, Andy shared his trick-or-treating stories last night with the late costume changes and uh, the Grim Reaper. Uh, what did you have your usual costume on? My usual one, a mean mom. It works great every year. <laughs> Kids don't argue. <laughs> Doesn't require much maintenance. No, you know? no. I, I you have to stretch to get to that. No, no. Every year. Oh, Lindsay, who has to corral four trick-or-treaters at once. She deserves as much alcohol as they hand out in her neighborhood. Let's get uh, right to the highlights from Fort Worth on this second day of the WTA Finals. <laughs> and we will start with Iga Sviantek, the world number one, making her second appearance at the Finals, taking on... You know, it was interesting. Iga's taken the last couple of weeks off after winning San Diego. And let me tell you, she didn't miss a beat. She was perfect. Going into this matchup, she was 4-0 against Kazakina this year. This was their fifth meeting. Kazakina struggled to win games against Sviantec. And nothing really changed in today's match. Iga was controlling the points. She was ripping the ball. At times in this tournament, it seems like some players have struggled to hit through the court. Not Iga today. She was getting her forehand. She was moving well. It's really a perfect start from the world number one. Kazakina, you got to just put this one behind you, look to move forward, and try and change things around as the round-robin group continues. So, Sviantek improves to 5-0 and this year against Kazakina, all five in straight sets, never giving up more than three games in a set. Here's Iga with Steve and Chanda. Uh, what worked best for you out there? I think I started pretty well, and that gave me a lot of confidence. So um, I want to play aggressively, but on the other hand, you have to be careful and really patient against uh, Dasha. So, yeah, I wanted to play uh, in a solid way, but put pressure on my opponent. So I did that pretty well. I'm happy about it. All right, more on that match in a minute. The late singles match featuring Coco Goff, first 18-year-old in these finals since Sharapova taking on... Caroline Garcia. You know, it was an interesting match. This was all about Garcia. She was playing how we thought she would play. She was ultra-aggressive. She was taking balls inside the baseline. She's really overpowering Goff. Goff was a little bit flat for the first set and a half. Things started to change a little bit midway through the second set. She had not come to net one time when it was this score in the second set. This was it for Goff. Made a little bit of a run, but overall just a little too much power. 
a lot of good movement from golf, but Andy just looked a little flat out there today. Yeah, and it gets to the point where it becomes a matchup problem with anyone that can step inside the court and really attack that forehand side. It forces Coco into a position where she's either playing too aggressively on the forehand or has to D up and kind of let other people dictate play. She tried to get the crowd into it late, but I thought Caroline Garcia looked great from start to finish. Only one, I think, one match or maybe two since the U.S. Open, but looked great tonight. Yeah, she broke four times, won 14 out of 21 points when she came to net. She didn't hesitate. 33rd win as she goes flying per usual since June 1st. As we come back inside the studio, Lindsay mentioned just how aggressive Garcia was playing. Andy, to me, it seemed like when she was returning serve, she was closer to the service line than she was to the baseline on some points, and it really did seem to rattle Coco. Why, why do you think that worked so well for Garcia today? Well, she does it against everyone, not just against Coco, but it seems to have more of an effect against Coco. So if you're Coco Golf and you're hitting a first serve, knowing that the second serve Garcia stepping three or four feet inside is going to punch through the middle and then take that first ball to your forehand. It kind of sets a lot of uh, mental hurdles, right? And so it is a better matchup for Garcia than it is for golf at this point in time, just because everything Garcia naturally does well, right? Cutting off the corners, stepping inside the court, being super aggressive is not what Coco wants to see from her opponent. She wants to get into some rallies, be able to mix up the paces on a forehand, maybe find some height, maybe drive some through. Uh, it kind of forces the issue. And you saw Coco try to make an adjustment and take the net away from Garcia. But at that point, it might have been, just been a little bit too little too late. Yeah, she just seemed to get overwhelmed by the power. And the bad news for Goff is in her group, oh, by the way, guess who's mm -hmm. up? She's got to play Iga Shriantek. She's never been able to beat Iga. She was drawn into a tough group. You, I mean, every player's good, but sometimes you have matchups you might prefer more than one more than the other. Tough matchups for Goff to play Garcia and Shriantek. She'll have more time against Kazakina. That will be the must-win match for her. Just a tough match to start off against a player in Garcia. We weren't expecting her to play that high level of mm -hmm. tennis. Just split with her coach. Hasn't played that well in the last eight weeks. And what do you know? She played one of her best matches of the year. Yeah, Coco almost has to beat Kazakina in straight sets to have a chance to advance with Sviantec looming in the third stage of the round robin. So we'll have more on those matches coming up later. But we pivot to the men. Eighth and final Masters 1000 of the year in Paris. Novak Djokovic has won this tournament six times already. We wondered if the serve and volley from Cressy, Andy, would trouble him what do you think of this match yeah i mean i think it's an awkward matchup against cressy obviously i think novak said this post-match uh talk with uh with the crew there that uh with prakash was that it was almost like the guy was playing from like the 1980s um you know but you, you gotta think if novak gets a look at someone's serve enough and as this progresses you see a couple points in the tiebreaker and then the second set he really starts getting a beat on it where you see cressy uh not getting uh first volleys above his waist anymore and from there from his shoe tops every time and if Novak can force the issue enough times there, and he just seems to sneak out these points, 15-all, huge point, that little flipper makes that look a lot easier than it actually is. But you could kind of see the build where he was getting a read on the serve. He, Cressy trying to bring him out wide, and it was uh, it was downhill skiing from here. Novak was not threatened in the least on a serve all day, did a bit of his own Cressy impersonation there on match point, close it out. Novak dropped three points on his first serve, three points on his second serve, and that is it. He talked to Prakash about his complicated season. I know that, you know, what happened earlier this year will, will keep on following me. You know, it's always, I'm going to always get those questions, and it's not something that I expect to vanish so quickly. But um, at the same time, you know, I, I feel comfortable in my skin, and, uh, you know, I have a great support of, of the closest people in my life. And 
people received me very well uh, in the last few tournaments, so I'm, I'm really excited to compete. Prakash gets all the big stars to open up. This was a high-stakes match in Paris. Rublev, one of the contenders for the two last spots at the ATP Finals. Andy taking on Isner today. Yeah, and listen, that down the line shot, as we'll see in this highlight, was like Taco Bell bread. It was open 24-7 against <laughs> Isner, and Rublev was not scared to hit it. Uh, John, a little short on practice, obviously with the broken wrist of the U.S. Open, uh, wasn't moving great, wasn't able to get that first strike tennis, uh, wasn't sticking returns quite like he has uh, at other times in this year, and Rublev uh, was just picking him off in rallies. You, you see that the winners he was hitting were winners by four or five yeah, feet. You see right there, bled him to the forehand side. Uh, again, Rublev, by his own admission, said... I wasn't really stressed at all from the baseline, but credit to John, would have been really easy for him to just shut it down for the year. Came over to Paris, got a couple of matches in, and Rublev's still alive for Turin. Yeah, uh, broke John's serve three times. John's ranked 47 right now, probably going to be his lowest finish since 2008. Hercoc also alive for a spot in Torino. Took on the French lefty Manorino, who's always complicated, Andy. Yeah, and Hercoc on, on, a, on a surface where he can get a consistent hit on the ball is, is very dangerous. Obviously, he's moves great on hard courts, a little heavy footed, I can relate to that, so moves well on hard, maybe on the slippery surface, maybe not as great, but man, this guy's just got a thumper serve, he can take the racket uh, out of your hand sometimes, and Mena Reno, he likes to swing that, that serve out wide, Hercot is strong enough on that backhand side for it not to be as big of a deal, he was able to neutralize that, and then said, hey, have a souvenir, I am still alive for Turin, if only barely. 20 aces for Hubie in this match. He saved all eight break points that he faced. That was key as he knocked it off in straight sets. So here's where we stand in the race to Torino. We've got the top five plus Djokovic qualified because he won a slam and is in the top 20. That's a rule that's existed for a long time. You've got uh, Oje Aliasim and Rublev in pole position to take the last two shots, and Fritz and Hercoc have to go really deep in Paris to change that. And the thing that that makes me think about when I look at that list is, man, has Felix Oje Aliasim had himself an autumn to get into that position? Andy, uh, I mean, this is a guy who really had problems closing out tournaments. Remember, he lost the first eight finals that he played. Does he have a closing problem? He doesn't have a closing problem now. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be remedied. And, and he's serving. Was he held 70-some-odd uh, service games in a row. I mean, that's Looney Tunes. That's like playing video games or something. But uh, the forehand has been a lot more solid. That's the side that can come and go, right? And in the best of times, uh, when he beats the top players in the world, the forehand's working. When he struggles early in tournaments sometimes, it's because the forehand goes on walkabout sometimes. I happen to think it's more of a footwork thing than actual technical thing with the swing, but certainly seems to have uh, to figured it out. And it's also uh, a, a little bit strange that uh, when the ATP owns a tournament and they need Novak in the field because it benefits them, they all of a sudden count Wimbledon. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I don't know if that, that, right, it's still a slam. It didn't have any points. I, people have been on that rule on social media thinking the joke. It's existed since 2000. It's not like they catered that rule just for Novak. No, but when you take away ranking points, it got a little more complicated. Exactly. This year. Okay. I don't know. What, what, what about let's let's talk positive. Okay, Felix. I would, okay, I think a very important part of the year is the fall, and it can set a player up for the next season. It can give them confidence. It can also set them up with ranking. And how about for Felix? Most likely, he'll now qualify for mm -hmm. Turin. We'll see what happens. But based on how well he's been playing these last few weeks, taking advantage of a time in the season where some players are a little bit tired, maybe they've already thrown in the towel. Always felt it's really beneficial for a player if they can manage to get up and get really motivated to maybe get some ranking points in the fall, 
you know, a lot of players are exhausted after the U.S. Open, four slams, it, rightfully so. But uh, a lot of credit to Felix, who stayed so strong here at the end. Yeah, he lost his first eight finals. He's now won four of his last five. We have a lot more to get to on TC Live on this Tuesday night. We'll check out more highlights from Fort Worth and from Paris. And we will check in on a couple of next-gen stars as they get ready for those finals in Milan. That and much more when TC Live returns after this. TC Live is presented by SAP, official technology partner of the WTA. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Back on TC Live and back to Paris, where Holger Runa was playing today. This kid has made the final in his last three events played, taking on the future Hall of Famer Stan Wawrinka and Andy. This one had some drama. Yeah, that, that's a that's a tight return there. Stan wanted to make him play on on that match point. And credit to Runa, uh, intense battles back and forth, uh, both kind of highly emotional throughout this. You see him staring someone down. I don't know if that was Stan or not. I don't know if he deserved it or not, but hey, that's what makes tennis fun sometimes. But the transition game over the last month has been great for Runa, has kind of shown that he can come forward, is comfortable in transition, as evidence here again with the nice little touch volley. Uh, Stan Wawrinka wants this, that back, that, that, I'm sure it was tough to get over, kind of chopping that, that, that return down uh, too early, puts that one in play, but uh, might have been a bit little, a bit late, Olaruda committed to coming forward, uh, pumped to get the win, hard fought, uh, the handshake a little dicey, uh, the rumors suggest that it wasn't about combining off-season vacation plans, Brett, from what I understand, but I don't know, here we are. Here we are, three match points that Stan had, two of them in the second set, one in the third set. We'll get more details on that handshake conversation. Sticking with the next-gen theme, Brandon Nakashima, he'll be playing in Milan. Got uh, the slicing and dicing of Dan Evans today. Yeah, all the variety coming off the Evans racket. Nakashima made a good run there in the second set, able to get that set under his belt. But in the third, Evans able to get his game together again. He was slicing a ton. He was looking to move forward. When he had some time, he was hitting his forehand. And on these quick courts, with that variety, it really helped him against Nakashima. Able to get the break midway through the third set and serve it out. 30th win of the year for Dan Evans. It's a career best for him. He will now meet Stefanos Tsitsipas in round two in Paris. So here's a look at where we stand in the next-gen race. And unlike the race to the ATP Finals, this is complete. These are the eight folks that are going to be in. Alcaraz and Sinner also qualified, but understandably, Andy, they're, they're taking a pass. Runa is the top seed. Lorenzo Musetti is the second seed. You like the next-gen Finals? Yeah, yeah, I think it's great, actually. I mean, uh, you know, it sets the table for the next year. I think it creates a little bit of a, an ego incentive for the younger players uh, to, to come along and say, hey, listen, I'm the next guy. Uh, I, I'm looking at this list, and I got to give props to Musetti for what he's done the last maybe six weeks. Uh, has been average at best on anything but a clay court uh, for the last two, three years since he's kind of broken out on the, on the clay service, but has looked great indoors, uh, surprisingly. So look for him to try to continue that success into the next year. 
year. Uh, Jack Draper has, has a lot of upside. Nakashima, uh, consummate professional, uh, very solid. So it'll, it'll be a great event. One thing great that they do at this event is kind of try new rules, new mm -hmm. innovations. And I read somewhere that this year, if it's an ace or unreturned serve, only 15 seconds. They're shortening the clock. Ah. The point is not long. So we're going to experiment a little bit with that this year. Okay, very good. And it's going to be a home game in Milan for Lorenzo Musetti. So he's got that going for him, too. When we come back, we'll check in on Rafa in Paris, about to play his first tournament as a dad. He's won 36 Masters 1000s, but never this one. Back in a moment. Back on TC Live, back in Paris, American Tommy Paul in action today. Already 36 match wins this year. That's a lot taken on Bautista Agut. Yeah, and Tommy, one of the things that Tommy Paul has really built on this year is uh, his forehand has obviously been a huge weapon. Uh, the air count has come way down on it. But another thing is the winners seem to be happening, right? He's not overplaying the ball. You see there's still some margin on that ball that he goes forehand to forehand. And that seemed to be a common uh, tactic for him today was to take that forehand, set the table with the inside as you can see right here, and then open it up. And when the time came, really fire uh, forehand to forehand as we're going to see about right here, Brett. But there's so much more margin on that shot than there used to be. He kind of sets the table and then goes for it as opposed to just kind of going wild and crazy and going for it from the first ball. Brad Stein has done a masterful job with Tommy Paul. 36 wins is a, is a big year, uh, breakout year for Tommy Paul. 6-4, six, 6-4 four, six, four. as we move on to French son Richard Gasquet. He has played in 113 of these Masters 1000s now, but he ran into Casper Root, Andy. Yeah, and listen, Casper Root, this is a Deep. There's a tough matchup for Richard Gasquet when someone can create more RPMs in a bigger sprint profile than he can. We see it against Rafa and the lifetime records of not a lot of success versus a lot of success for, for Rafa Nadal. I think that's an exact number there, Brett. But Casperu uh, just fought back, and Richard really tried to, uh, Richard tried to really uh, you know, be aggressive. That was a little bit tight. That was a set point to send it to the third set. But up this risk profile a bunch in the second set. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, listen, this Casperu guy is pretty good. He's not number two in the world uh, for nothing. It was coming out of his shoes on the forehand side. Bullied Gasquet around the court a little bit. Listen, hopefully see, we see Gasquet playing 200 more of these, but I, I, I don't know. All right, let's uh, segue back to Fort Worth. We had day two of the doubles today. Elisa Mertens makes these championships every year with a different partner. It's her fourth different partner with Kuder Matova today. Yeah, they're a good team, but it was a tough match out here. Ostapenko. And Kitchenoff were so aggressive in the first set, able to get that set under their belt. And it go to a breaker as Kudermatova and Mertens would cruise in that second set. This is where the teamwork of Kudermatova and Mertens really paid off. Look at Mertens, so active up at net. She's been so successful the last couple of years. And what an ending this was. It's Kudermatova, though, with the feel up at net on the far side in the black. See ya. Nice. Sharp angle to wrap it up. She's all smart. She could play singles also. She's the first alternate. Madison Keys is the second, so it could be a double dip for Kuder Matova, depending on how things go. So, with two days in the books, here's your SAP tournament summary. Iga Sviantek improves to 5-0 this year against Kazakina. Caroline Garcia resumes her winning ways after a little dry spell post-U.S. Open. And tomorrow, we go back to the Nancy Ritchie group. It'll be Jabur against Pagula. Sakari against Sabalenka. With that, we have a post-Halloween edition of The Social Net. Starting with this, Andy, stay professional. Do you know oh what tennis player that is and what movie that's from? 
I see it. Yeah, I can read, so it's probably a chunk of a. Yeah, I mean, I'm not super educated. College was a miss for me, but I can read that. Um, Is that a resident something? Is it evil? Is that is that a movie? Is that right? Am I right? I'm sure sure it is a movie. It's not this movie, but you can keep you know rolling if you want to. Do you you know what it's from? It's the it's the Fifth Element. She's that's the Mila Jovovich character. Bruce Willis was in that movie. Uh, Gary Oldman was in that movie. I, I see no signs of the left knee injury that's kept her out okay. since uh, since Rome. Hey, listen. When all you have is white duct tape, this is a this is a, this is like MacGyver. This is a great move to create an uh, to create an outfit out of a wig and some duct tape. That's fantastic. She she made she made a lot out of a little. I agree with you, Andy. Yeah. Uh, all right, let, let's move on. Do you recognize this future Hall of Famer and his bat family? That's so cute. I and we've I'm got like, the literally... new baby. The baby's only a couple days old. Yeah. Mike Bryan. Oh, there we go. That's that's the that, that's the Bryan's there. I was looking for it. I was trying, I was looking for Mike Mole, but I couldn't get a good enough view. So <laughs> is that, is I didn't that know your trick to go. tell them apart? Look at and we got. If they're not if they're not if they're not standing next to each other, Bob's about two inches taller than is standing next to each other. But listen, that's a that's a good move. Who doesn't like Bruce Wayne and family? Well, and I think Nadia. I think uh, baby Tommy's maybe like three days old, four days old. So. Credit you, Mama, for getting up and trick-or-treating. That's a good effort from Nadia. Uh, You can barely see that baby is so small. You can barely see little Tommy in there. Way to go, Mike and Nadia and Jake and Tommy. And this one is, is from a tennis academy in Scotland. I don't know if they make the kids go through drills in these costumes, but they, they went all in on Halloween. so cute. And it's in Scotland? Yeah. What do you think, Andy? I'm... I'm just looking at this and, and just thinking, like, the amount that I would sweat in any one of these outfits <laughs> would, would be would be, would be be so stressful. Yeah. Like, I, it, I can't get it out of my head now. I'm stuck. I feel like I'm starting now. Also in shorts and a T-shirt, so it, it, it's pretty much the same <laughs> no, no matter what. Um, let's take a quick look at how the coverage is going to break down tomorrow, both in Fort Worth and in Paris. We begin at 6 a.m. Eastern with live match coverage of the men in Paris. Bally Sportsnet and T2 join the coverage at 8 a.m. Eastern. Felix Oje Aliasim will headline the coverage there. Day three of the WTA Finals starts at 4 p.m. Eastern. And just like today, we wrap things up with TC Live back in just a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, back on TC Live for our hot shot of the day. Andy, sometimes we're lukewarm about these. Fonini today, not lukewarm about this. Yeah, I am fickle sometimes. I normally like Fabio's, but this is one of the best ones of the year. (laughs) That is a silly shot. Could have ended there, but it didn't. Goes for the split. I mean, unbelievable. The court recognition then to read that. Fabio getting through after losing to the same guy and qualifying. Quality stuff. And as always, Fabio making friends with people who have been cheering against him all afternoon. Uh, Such a character, but so talented as we look at our Wednesday feature matches. Look at this triple play to start our day. Sitsipas, Medvedev, Alcaraz back to back to back. 
and then we shift to the finals in Fort Worth. The winners from Monday, Soccer and Sabalenka. The losers from Monday, Pagula and Jabur. With more on the Paris side of tomorrow's action, we check in with Danny Kleppinger and Prakash Worldwide. Okay, Brett. Tommy Paul with a massive win and now setting up an even more massive match against Rafael Nadal. How do you like his chances? Well, look, my favorite thing about it is when he came here and, and sat at our TC desk for the post-match interview, he, he twice brought up on his own before I could even bring up, listen, you got Rafa next. He's like, yeah, I got a big match next. I got a big match next. He seems super keyed up, and I think that's going to be a huge part of it. The belief that you can actually get over the finish line and the fact that Rafa hasn't really played any tennis since the summer season, I think it could be a good recipe for a possible upset. Ooh, and a great treat for all of us viewers. It's going to be an exciting Wednesday here in Paris. All right, guys, thanks. We look forward to watching that coverage. Let's talk about Rafa's match. We haven't seen him on the singles court since the U.S. Open. He played that doubles match with Roger at Labor Cup. What are your expectations indoors where it's not his favorite format? Yeah, I really didn't think we would see Rafa again this season, especially as he departed London after that great farewell to Federer. It was so emotional. He didn't look 100% healthy. We know there was a lot going on for him back at home with the impending birth of his son, who's now here. Um, so great sign that he is in Paris, but historically this has not been one of his best tournaments, and he's taking on a player who's been playing so well. It's been a lot of changes for Rafa. Uh, curious, you know, he's getting a few matches under belt. Is he playing for the number one ranking? He says he's not. Yeah. I, again, I'm surprised we're seeing him again this year. He is 920 points behind Carlos Alcaraz. He says, I'm way too old to be thinking about that. Um, he hasn't won this tournament, though, Andy. I imagine he'd like to. Yeah, actions and words, and I, I agree with Lindsay. I, I was really surprised to see uh, him come here, and by you saying 920, that means it's mathematically possible for him to still be number one in the world this year, so I don't think that's a small part uh, of why he's here. There's not a lot of firsts left uh, for Rafa. Winning the beer seat title is one, uh, you know, which basically, Brett, just means that he's not that comfortable playing in the city of Paris. <laughs> Uh, I could give you 14 reasons why that's not true, but I, I, I like your comedy. Uh, that is going to do it for us on this Tuesday edition of TC Live. For uh, Lindsay and Andy and his joke writer and all of our crews in both Paris and Fort Worth, congrats to Iga Sviantec and Caroline Garcia, winners on day two of the WTA Finals, back early tomorrow with day three. We will see you then.